This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Well, history last night in Boston as the Mariners beat the Red Sox 10 to 1 in the opener of the three game series. What a night it was all the way around. Cal Raleigh, of course, swatting home runs from both sides of the plate. Now with two outs, here's Cal. Hit the home run left handed. He's up there batting right handed now. See what he can do here. Maybe he can tattoo the, the Green Monster first pitch. Swung on, that's what he does. High drive, deep left center field. Carry, carry, goodbye. Big Cal, a two-run homer from the right side after a two-run homer left side. And here in the Mariners' top of the six, it's 5 nothing Seattle. The first catcher in the history of Fenway Park to hit homers from both sides of the plate in the same game. Pretty incredible. Here was Cal Raleigh with J.P. Morosi after the game. So, Cal, when was the last time you homered from both sides of the plate in the same game? When and where? Uh, I honestly want to say... Might have been uh, Salem Kaiser back when I was in short season. This was my first home run in professional baseball, and it was the same day, so left and right. So when you got back to the dugout after the second homer, what was the best thing you heard from your teammates? Uh, I don't think I think there were a couple guys in there that didn't know I hit right-handed. So I think Bryce Miller he said to me the other day, he's like, "I didn't know you're a switch hitter." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> don't get as many bats on the right side." So. So, Cal, more than a century of baseball here at Fenway. You're the first catcher ever to homer from both sides of the plate in the same game. You think about this ballpark, the history. What does that mean to you and your family? It means a lot. I mean, I, I grew up a diehard Red Sox fan. My dad played in the org. Uh, you know, obviously family from Vermont and, you know, the whole, you know, New England area. And be able to do that is uh, something really cool and something that, you know, I never take away have Jason Veritek, another switch hitting catcher in the opposing dugout, watching all of that. What does that mean to you? It means a lot. I mean, I, like I said, I grew up idolizing him and that, those whole teams, 04, 07 teams. And, uh, you know, I got fortunately I got a jersey last year from him. He signed it for me, and it was awesome. And like I said, he was, he was one of my favorite players growing up and try to, you know, model my game after him. And finally, George Kirby. How does he make it look so easy? I don't know. I love it, though. He's, I mean... He guy's a competitor out there, and, you know, when he can put the ball wherever he wants, like he's been doing, it's 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 tough to hit against, especially with those two fastballs and him locating a sinker and a four-seam. You know, it gives guys a lot of trouble, and, you know, he's, uh, he's doing a great job. A remarkable night. He wasn't alone. Gino checks in with a long home run as well. In fact, the Mariners hit their third, fourth, and fifth longest home runs of the season all in the games last night, two from Cal and one from Gino. Here's what Suarez said after the game with Shannon. It's good to see so much offense. You look up there, you see 15 hits on the board, the home runs. What did we see from you guys offensively today, Haney? I mean, obviously, it was a nice game for us. You know, we were, we came here to get ready to compete. We take it our chance, um, not try doing much. And uh, we got those results right there, you know. Uh, everybody put a something on the game, and uh, we we got a W that's more important to everybody. Cal Raleigh, he wasn't doing much? <laughs> I mean, he did it a lot, but he never tried to hit a homer like that, you know. He always, I, he knows, he understands he got a power, 
and uh, he just used that power uh, all the way through, and uh, he got a nice nine today. Which one was more impressive to you of the home runs that he hit? I think the the, the right right side was more impressive because he been he been swinging and uh, he been play uh, a right right uh, right hander, but today was nice for him. He hit a big homer, and uh, that was a really nice. I know you do the shout-outs after the game in the clubhouse, and you give all the, the good news. You might want to know this. Nobody in the history of this ballpark has hit home runs in the same game from both sides of the plate. Oh, that's great. You know, um, that's a good news for us. Now i got to tell that to Carl Riley. <laughs> yes, you do. we got to talk about you, too, though. When you had that single in the fifth inning, I felt good about that. Then the home run. We were given a tip that you've made a couple of small changes at the plate. Are we seeing that pay off right now? Uh, yeah, uh, like you say, I did it. I made my adjustment. You know, I try to be uh, more uh, relaxed on my shoulders, not try to uh, be so tight on the upper body. And uh, I relax my shoulder. I put in my back, uh, relax too, and I try to see a ball longer. And uh, after that, he was a nice pitch inside, and uh, I was able to hit it uh, right to the left field line. And then, um, I got the homer right to the middle, and uh, that's that, what I say. I just, you know, make my adjustment quick, just try to be positive and myself, trusting my body, trusting myself, and uh, that was the result right there, yeah. They just go that far when you do all that. Oh, yeah, you know, thank you. <laughs> hey, Daniel, thank you. Thank you, guys. So the Mariners break out 10 runs, 15 hits, the home runs, everything working offensively, not to be outdone, not to be overlooked. George Kirby, sensational, six and two-thirds, one run allowed, one walk, and six strikeouts as he continues a fabulous season for the Mariners. Kirby now 33 starts into his Mariners career. You just could not ask for more than this. A 3-1-3 ERA in 181 innings, 174 strikeouts, and 26 walks. That's it. It has just been an incredible run for the Mariners starter, who's simply been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year. Uh, Full statement. That's the bottom line. He has been great for the M's, and he was excellent last night as the Mariners got the win 10-1. to Mariners will take on the Red Sox again tonight for 10 first pitch. Same with Wednesday before heading to Atlanta for a very tough road trip, or end of the road trip, rather, a tough series in Atlanta, one of the best teams in baseball. But the Mariners have a chance to take the series in Boston, and they'll try and do that tonight. Luis Castillo on the hill. In the meantime, we're going to revisit a conversation we had with George Kirby, just given everything he has done so far this year and in his Mariners career. If you missed this, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Aaron and I had a chance to have a long conversation with George and kind of get into his thought process about pitching and really interesting some of the stuff he does in preparation. I think you'll find it really interesting, especially when you watch him pitch and watch the way he goes about it. So here it is. George, the season is upon us. Last year was such a just a magical experience for you, for the team, for the city, for the region. What are your overall feelings when you think about your excitement level coming into this season, your first full season in the rotation? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, we're all super excited for the year. Our arms have been throwing really well. Our guys are hitting well, so I think it'll be a fun year. And all the conversations we have, whether it's coaching staff or teammates, everyone compliments your ability to spin the ball and pick it up rapidly. Like you can almost immediately start throwing a pitch. When you look ahead, are you going to be a guy that will continue to just add, add, add? Are you going to be like a 12-pitch a guy down the road, or do you see – 
you know, some some adjusting to the arsenal as you go through yeah. time. Um, I'm totally set with whatever five or six pitches I got now. I think just <laughs> as the year goes on, just uh, tinkering with them, just making them even sharper and um, just being more consistent in the zone with a lot of them. You know, that way I give myself more room to expand uh, with two strikes. So more just consistently uh, keep them in the zone and um, just really honing in on, like, feel and really trying to understand what I'm trying to do with it so how are you able to pick up things so quickly I kind of I'm just open to hearing things like how people you know this works for them this works for another guy um I don't know I, I just think it's the way I'm just open to to learn about it mm. like I'm not stubborn I like all right throw it this way do it that way I'll do it that way and mm -hmm. if it doesn't work I'll change it myself but um I kind of always had a good feel for that kind of stuff uh growing up throwing throwing baseball so it's worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> George Kirby is our guest. I think a lot of people, going back to a previous statement you made, would be surprised that a major league pitcher learned to pitch from Instagram or the mm -hmm. Internet or yeah. Pitching Ninja just on your own. That seems like something that would be potentially club-driven for some guys. So what is that conversation like when you come back to the Mariners or you check in with the Mariners over the winter and you're mm -hmm. talking with – whether it be Pete or Trent Blank or whomever it is, and you say, hey, I've, I've got this new pitch, and this is what it's looking like. And what's the back and forth like in that situation? Yeah, um, I, I stayed in touch with Trent and Woody uh, during the off offseason uh, just to get feedback. Uh, I'd send them some videos or uh, – Like what do you do? You set up a, like your phone or something? How, what are the, how do you do that? Yeah, I'll just put my phone up against a, a bucket or something and just, you know, <laughs> I, I usually throw into a net uh, when I'm home, so I just get my work in that way. But, but yeah, we talk about it. Um, uh, we kind of decide, you know, whether it'll be good or not to use or, or keep keep going at it. Um, but, yeah, they're pretty open. Um, you know, as long as it's, you know, not like detrimental to our arm or something like that, they're, they're kind of always open to learning something new. So I think that's really cool. Along these lines, Pete told us a great story about the first time you used a two-seamer in mm -hmm. the game. I got to hear this story directly from you. <laughs> it was against the Blue Jays, right? Yes, yes. And, uh, that was early on, yeah. Early on, the first time you broke this thing out. And I, what, Springer got a double to lead off the game, and you're facing, like, Vlad, you're facing Bichette. Mm -hmm. And this was the time you decided to use it for yeah. the first time? Um, <laughs> yeah, early on I started throwing that, and then I kind of got away from it. Mm -hmm. And when I got sent back down, um, I kind of focused that, that time to really hone in on that pitch and – um, I think the week before we were in San Diego and I was just throwing and it was moving like 17, 20 inches and then uh, came back throwing against Texas. And the first time, you know, we did the front hip one was to Nathaniel Lowe and, you know, it, I trusted, I threw it his hip, it came back and I was like, Cal, we got to keep doing that. That's, that's going to be fun. So, uh, yeah, just picked it up pretty easily. I think it's just because of the way my wrist supinates. Uh, I think it's just, hmm. it works out well with that two seam. So what does that word mean? Just like this way. Kind of. We're on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just being able, I'm not really great with that stuff, but just. So, first of, all, first of all, your hand is massive. <laughs> yeah, big yeah. hand. Okay, so by supinate, you mean you're able to basically. Just the way I come through, like I'm a little more like offset than like someone. Hmm. Um, that's why I don't get as much like vertical ride usually, but being able to come through here and like just rip it with the two seam it kind of creates that horizontal spin without me having really to manipulate my wrist. So if somebody were to hold their arm in front of their chest and like they're giving someone a high, a static high five, your wrist as opposed to your middle finger pointing straight up to the ceiling 
almost. No, just in the throwing motion. Well, yes, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it kind of yes. – it's almost at an angle. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to get more yeah. horizontal spin on the ball. I think so. That's why it helps the two-seam a lot, yeah. Instead of being more here, being this way, it kind of helps it create that. Yeah. So is that – since the two-seam is a relatively new addition to your repertoire, is that something that you have just recently learned about your mechanics or something that you've known but now are able to fully implement? Yeah, no, I, I knew it a while ago. I, I wanted to throw the two-seam back at the alt site. Um, oh, the good days. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, at the time, it – you know, the numbers, whatever, uh, we'll get into it. But, and then, you know, I had a little more freedom to throw it in the big league. So, uh, I always knew it would have been a good pitch. Um, it was more just the ability to actually throw it and have that freedom. So, you know, it's funny in this camp because everyone has new pitches. We, we spent a lot of time talking about new pitches and everything. Uh, how much tinkering is there with what you're already throwing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of it, just the feel, um, you know, where my thumb might be on the lace, mm -hmm. uh, other than that, I think about that a lot. Um, just trying to be super mindful and aware of what my wrist is doing, arms doing, fingers are doing on the ball. Um, so yeah, I focus on that a lot. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't change a lot of stuff, but I really just try and be aware of you know how I'm releasing it. Look at the Edutronic video, see where my hand is, and kind of get that feel from there. So when we talked to Logan over the winter, he mentioned the Edutronic video, which I think some people maybe. Like Driveline puts out these videos that you see the super slow-mo. Can you mm -hmm. explain to us what the value of that is? Because there's all these tools, all this technology, and that's one that I think maybe some fans haven't heard as much about. So if you could explain what it is and why it's helpful. It really just gives you a better understanding how your body moves when you can see in slow-mo. If you're throwing a slider, and sometimes guys will be throwing from their back pocket, you'll, you'll be able to see that like in slow-mo versus when it's you know regular speed, you can't really tell. It just helps finding those little things that people need to – you know, tinker with, and it's a great, it's a great tool. Is that something yeah. that the Mariners have at T-Mobile Park, or is that an off-season thing only? At yeah, what it's point just bullpens usually. Okay. Bullpens will have it right behind us, and then the track man behind the catcher. Yeah, I don't think we have those during actual games, but sure. But but it is but something yeah, that you can use. Super helpful tool that we use during the, the week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you always been in touch with the data? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't. I like that it's available, mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna you know look into it too much. Because um, I kind of just trust myself more than the numbers. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're just trying to put up zeros, really. But, yeah, back in college, uh, Sean McGrath, when he came in, uh, he was kind of big on numbers, just, you know, if it was right or just really focusing on what your movement profiles are going to be. Um, so I think that's important to know exactly, you know, if you're spinning horizontally, vertically, whatever. I think it's important to know that. And, uh you know, I think it's good not to look at it too much, but mm -hmm. if it's available, I think it's good to take a look at it sometimes. Yeah. You were mentioning how, based on your mechanics, the two-seam is a natural fit, and you can get more of that movement than the vertical ride. And yet, we uh, we saw you last year have, have really great success with fastballs up, mm -hmm. right? I mean, is it is it something that maybe it isn't to the elite level of the horizontal movement that you can get, but it's obviously still something that you're planning on utilizing and, and it can still be effective for yeah. you? I think now that I just have two fastballs, it's just another pitch that the hitter's got to protect from. Um, so it, the two, when I started to throw the two seam, made my four seam just a whole lot more effective at the top of the zone, um, just because they're kind of fifty-fifty. That's how I was throwing it last year, and yeah, it's just hard to protect when you got two fastballs and four off-speed pitches to worry about. So I think it helps a lot. Two fastballs is good. We didn't have a chance to talk to you in the off-season. I want to know what it felt like for you against the Blue Jays to come out and close down that game. Uh, 
I was stressed, to be honest. Just I had something I haven't done in probably four or five years in Cape Cod. Uh, I I enjoyed it, but I'm I'm more of a starter. I like to you know start the game and go as long as I can. But yeah, that was awesome. That was a great experience. I came in hot. My blood was all hot. I was ready to go. Um, Velo was up. It was a good thing. But you know it's something I've done before, so I just tried to stay calm and uh, just focus on throwing strikes and not make the moment too big. But it was it was a great skip. Trusted me in that position. What did it feel like to get the final out? It was awesome. Yeah. Dapping up Cal there, it was sweet. Yeah, it was fun. People need to have a picture of this because as George talks about something he hasn't done since the Cape League, I mean, we're talking about yeah. chain-link backstops, right? <laughs> like, the ti- like the tiniest field. Yeah, high school like, field. Ima- yes, I was going to say, yeah. like imagine a Little League field, okay? <laughs> that, that's what the Cape League fields are like. So when George says it's not something he's done since the Cape League, I mean, he's living at the host family. <laughs> <laughs> And now he's doing it at Rogers Center in front of a packed house for all the marbles to win a playoff series. So, I mean, you casually drop, I haven't done it since the Cape League. <laughs> I mean, that's like saying you haven't done it since Little League practically, yeah. man. When you can put when you put the, them on the scale, so it's a big difference. Yeah, uh, it was just a really great moment uh, to be in there. And, yeah, it was something I'll never forget. Well, I, when I think back to the home playoff game and the battle against Altuve, uh, I, I was – I was shocked that Scott didn't go to the bullpen. I mean, truthfully, I mean, it it, it seemed like that was the time, and mm-hmm. he trusted you. Yeah. I mean, you have built up, and you won, by the way. I mean, <laughs> you, it was an incredible sequence. I mean, you you really have, from our point of view, you have earned this magnificent level of trust from the coaching staff and from your manager, and yeah. certainly from your teammates in a very short period of time. I mean, do you feel do you feel like you are like you've arrived? Like you're a big leaguer. You deserve to be here. Like, has that did that's that must have sunk in at some point last year? Yeah, um, yeah. Let's just like that Blue Jays game. It was good to have that trust. Um, but yeah, honestly, I don't think I've scratched the surface. To be honest, I think I can get a lot better. And I'm, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to this year. I'm just ready to go to battle. Yeah. How did Cal change last year? Like, like from our perspective, he like he's a different guy now mm-hmm. from from how we see him. How, from your perspective, how did his uh, evolution and his transition through all he went through last year and the success he had he had how have you seen him change yeah cal just stays at it he does his homework um he's super diligent looking at other hitters uh making sure that we're on the same page uh, I, I think he just he's really invested in our careers as well mm-hmm. uh, he wants to see the best out of us um and him hitting home runs i mean gosh he really came at big and big big situations and um I think the biggest thing for him is he never got too high, got never got too low. He was kind of always even keel. What about his business? And uh, you know, he really, really helped the team out. So he's 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 good catcher to have back there, and he's also a great teammate. So it is such a stacked rotation when you look at Luis and Robbie and yourself and Logan. What do you enjoy about watching those other guys pitch? I love it. Uh, we all do things really great differently, so it's it's good to you know you know, throw information off each other and try and learn from each other. And it's also very competitive, which I think is really, you know, crucial to have mm-hmm. in that in our kind of rotation. You know, we all want to take each other's jobs. We all want each other to do really well. So I think it's a good mix that we have going. If you could take one pitch from the rotation mm-hmm. and make it yours, what would it be? Oh, man, I mean, Robbie Slider, really. I think I said it last year, too. It's, just, it's unbelievable. Would you yeah. grunt like him? 
Have you, have you, consi- have you considered grunting? I've, I've never done it, but I, I think it might. I think it probably let one loose. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I had a conversation with McGrath because it's funny when we watch you, you are pretty stoic on yeah, the mound. You, like, I was going to say, it was funny you bring that up. Like, my, I was thinking, you, you seem bored when you pitch. <laughs> like, and that's, I guess that's a compliment. Like, I'm not. But you, I agree, Gary. It's just it's very yeah. It's it, we never know what's going on. And it's funny you alluded to Toronto. You talking about the nerves going. And we would never know it by looking mm-hmm. at you. But McGrath gave me some insight on the fire's really burning in there. And he he told me a couple of times about a couple of exchanges you had yeah. on the mound during yeah, pitching changes. <laughs> yeah, when you're on the mound, what is it internally? What does it feel like? Uh, I mean, I'm butterflies for sure. Hmm. Um, I just really try and you know, focus on my breath. So that's probably a reason why I'm not like always up and going. Uh, during the uh, middle of the innings, I don't even watch the game. I just focus on my breathing and uh, try and just chill out as much as I can because I don't want to go out there with still my heart rate still going pretty good. So I want to get it back nice and even, get back out there and uh, just, you know, keep pounding the zone. But uh, yeah. So you go like back to the clubhouse? I guess while you're go pitching? in the tunnel, okay. um, sit down, kind of just focus up, ready, get ready for the next inning. Uh, Woody will come in. He's like, you got this guy, this guy, this guy. Think think about a plan in my head and just kind of focus on nose breathing and go back out there. What exercises do you do to control your breath? How do you do that? Uh, some meditation, cold tubs, sauna work, stuff like that. Um, yeah, Adam Bernero has been great uh, helping us with that. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize how important that really is on the mound. Just for an energy standpoint, just being able to get through the game. When you're mouth breathing, you're really exerting a lot of energy, and you know it's hard to find it in certain situations. So if I can just focus on nose breathing and doing that the whole game, I can I can really reach back in certain moments and get some more energy behind it. And, so yeah. a cold tub sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so how? Explain to us the correlation because there clearly is one between a cold tub and controlling your breathing. Yeah, um, I think really you know you try and be comfortable in those uncomfortable situations. I think that's what the cold tub teaches me really. So when I'm on the mound, being able to get through that cold tub, focus on your breath, kind of is pretty much exactly like you're on the mound. You got a big situation. Your heart rate's going, you try and really focus on uh, soften your breath a little bit. It keeps you more aware, more mindful of what you're doing. So it's just huge. So you're putting your, when you talk about the sauna and the cold tub, you're putting your body in physical extreme situations mm-hmm. of extreme cold and extreme heat. That way I can just, I know what it feels like when I'm on the mound, when I'm, my breath is going. That way I can, I can know how to get back to, you know, being a little more chill. Is there a, is there a, uh, a, an apparatus or a device that measures your breath or are you just, you just know if, if you're huffing and puffing or if you're calm when you're in either the sauna yeah. or the cold tub? Yeah, I, I kind of just know. I can just feel it. Um, you know, there's some, like, gauges with your breath. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, it's been really helpful just being able to understand my body in those types of situations and how I can uh, go about it on the mound. So, How long in, in either place do you spend? Uh, well, if you're doing something in the morning to get just get your day started, you go for a minute. Uh, recovery is more like three to five minutes in the cold tub. And um, I was doing 20, 25 minutes a day in the sauna. Uh, every day off season. So, do you have a sauna? Uh, I was working on. I had a cold tub at home, but uh, I was I was working on the sauna. I didn't get that going though. My dad was like, "Yeah, oh, you're going to be here for another three weeks." Like, I'm not going to use that. So, <laughs> so like, was the plan to put a sauna in? 
in yeah, the house. Backyard, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, nice. Like a, a standalone sauna? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a two person sauna right next to my cold tub. That way I can contrast there. Nice. I'm blown away by this. I, no, I had no idea this was a thing. No, this is great. Yeah. We should do we this. We should do that, don't yeah. you think? Absolutely. We could split the cost. Yeah. Maybe have the sauna at my place, cold tub at your place. <laughs> I think that's. How about we switch it? I'd rather have the, <laughs> I don't I'd the, rather have the sauna. <laughs> if you do a cold tub at home, is it. Is it. Oh, it was cold. Yeah. I mean, like, are you. You can't be dumping ice into it every time, are you? No. So uh, when it was really cold, sometimes I get like five, six inch layer of ice on it. I have to break it up oh. with like an axe or something, <laughs> hop in. Um, so one of the coldest ones I was doing was like 32, 33 degrees. This so, isn't fun, but you feel amazing after. So that's kind of what I kind of get through. So this is out, this is a outdoor tub. Mm-hmm. Is it just like a? Have you heard of ice barrel before? It, it looks just like a like a barrel of rum or whiskey or yeah, something. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. And it's like you yeah. go off Niagara Falls in it. Pretty much. Yeah. And you, it's outside your home. Mm-hmm. And like you, in the snow and yeah. whatever. And else. it just okay. all winter long, you just keep watering it. Yep. And. When it freezes, it freezes, and you yeah. break, break it up it and, and you hop in. Yeah. Break it up with an axe. Yeah. This is great. I mean, do we bring like do we bring a robe outside? <laughs> I mean, seriously, uh, like what I bring, in the house? Yeah, I go shorts. I uh, bring a towel outside. I usually try and stay out there, and you know, uh, after I get out, I stay out in the cold to try and like really focus on my breath and uh, try and not worry about you know the cold on me. And more at that point, it's more of a sensation if you get through it. Um, George, you're a psychopath. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it helps. It helps. Okay, man. so you're. I, I, this sounds very. I'm sure to you, this sounds very basic. But for mm-hmm. us, this is like a whole new world. So I apologize for the <laughs> very right. elementary questions. But I want. I want us and people to be able to picture this. So it's a, a barrel outside your house. You have like a bathing suit on, mm-hmm. no shirt, mm-hmm. and you you hop in mm-hmm. for a minute. Yeah, minute in the morning. Yeah, there's snow everywhere. Can be. Yeah. Yeah, and then you're in there a minute or two, and then you. Jump out. Yep. And instead of normal people who would go in, well, normal people wouldn't be in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> instead of going inside, you just you just hang outside. Yeah, kind of just in your skivvies. Yeah, uh, walk around uh, like barefoot in the snow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And just it's just good, to, yeah. just to breathe. Maybe bring my coffee out or something. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Warm me up well, that changes bit. everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Get the newspaper out. Okay. That's great. Yeah. We know your command. It's ridiculous. When you look back at your development, even from a young age, how are you able to throw the ball anywhere you want, essentially? How did that happen? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more just confidence, to be honest. Um, I, used, I was never – I was walking the house, like, early high school. Um, it kind of really came, you know, like my sophomore year of college. You know, the zone helped out, too. You could throw a ball four or five balls out. And <laughs> it was a strike, but uh, – Here's a little different, but yeah, I think it's just mentality-wise and mm. being able to uh, really replicate my mechanics. Each pitch, I try and be exactly same. Um, I think that's really helped. Being able to stay on my backside, just kind of feel that, and uh, I don't know. I think part of it's just God-given, and part mm. of it's I worked at it, but uh, I, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. George, this has been a real treat. It's great to learn so much, of, even more about you, and we're so excited for your season. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it.